Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the 23rd episode of Tales of Tamriel. I am your humble host, Agelos, and with me this evening, the spider killer sorcerer herself, Thais. How are you doing this afternoon, my dear? Um, a little concerned that you called me the spider killer. I don't think I've killed one spider since I've been playing ESO. Well, yeah, you know what? You're right. Pretty much, pretty much, uh, you ran and hid every time we tried to kill spiders in ESL, and you little cry a little bit. It's pretty awesome. All right. Well, we had a fairly lax week in news, but there's some really cool articles out there uh, this week, and we're going to go over them. So let's get into it, shall we? First off in game news for this week. Patch notes for patch 1.2.4 were released. This patch is an incremental patch featuring fixes to gameplay and quest, including a fix for silver bolts. Well, hopefully they make it so silver bolts actually work on veteran rank 12 vampires. The sudden drop in frames per second that you're seeing in Cyrodiil. I don't know how... Uh, your frames drop when it only has vampires, but I guess when they all summon 900 bat swarms, it happens. And weapon swapping breaking stealth. Well, I don't have anything about vampires for that one, but who needs weapons if you're a vampire? So, not, not a lot contained within this patch. There's a few fixes, like I said, through the Alliance War. They had some combat and gameplay fixes, especially with weapon swapping. And breaking stealth, so that's kind of interesting. Um, silver bolts, with one exception, as noted below, they fixed an issue so the ability no longer has a hundred percent proc chance after skilled tracker is purchased. Uh, note this ability works properly against all vampires and werewolves in human form. However, if you are specifically in werewolf form, this ability will still proc at a hundred percent. So I'm assuming the Silver Bolt knockdown, I guess that's what they're talking about here, was broken and knocking down any vampire or werewolf character if they were in human form without using their vampire form. I guess now they're switching it so it only has a, a percentage chance of knocking down unless they're in their full form. Do you actually have Silver Bolt Stace? I do not. I, I do not have room for it on my bar. There are much better things I can stick in that slot than silver bolts. And since you have it, I really don't need to worry about it. Well, apparently mine barely tickles vampires, so you might want to consider getting it. Because one doesn't seem to be enough. Every time I see a vampire going and I shoot him with the silver bolts, it's like that scene from Jaws where I'm going... Oh, crud. We're going to need a bigger crossbow. 
Unfortunately, it never helps. Next up, they did a fix with Restoration Staff that apparently the Grand Healing ability was causing a lot of the sudden F, uh, frames per second drops after they released version 1.2.3, and they're saying that they are fixing that. So that would be kind of interesting to see. Um, going down through here, there's a lot of dungeon... Well, not a lot. I guess there's probably about nine nine dungeon fixes, as well as a, five different quest fixes. So if you are interested in checking any of that out, you can find it either on TSOElite.com. They always do a nice little write-up of patch notes. Or you can find it on the official Elder Scrolls Online forums under the patch notes section. Um, specifically, if you're having any block issues it, with any quest in Glen Umbra, Greenshade, uh, Canarthi's Roost, the main quest line are the Rift. There are fixes in this patch, and you may want to either try the quest or come over and uh, read the notes and see if it is fixing the quest that you're having issues with. All right, next up on the, the news docket, we have the Adventures Handbook issue number four. Um, pretty much what they had is with update two just releasing this week and the veteran Crypt of Hearts, um, there are been detailed guides being released except for bosses, which are not available yet, but there are some guides out there that may actually help, such as Sinna's Guide to Status Effects and Fire, Gu Fire Gales, yes, Fire Gales Guide to How to Avoid Dying in ESO, aka Do Not Go Up Against a Vampire. Yes, I'm very bitter against vampires. I don't like them. Next up, um, this is one that we actually spotlighted, I think, either last week or the week before. But Tamriel Journal's amazing master provisioning list is now on this list as well. So if you're a perfectionist or a collector like Thais and myself, you may want to go take a look at this. Because I actually plan on comparing my list of cooking recipes next to this list to make sure that I have them all. And finally, they wanted to bring our attention to the ESO Builds subreddit. That's slash r slash ESO Builds. Apparently, there's a lot of different kind of builds for every class and role there. I encourage you to stay away from the Elder Scrolls Online subreddit itself because it is a cesspool. But the, the minor subreddits for specific things generally aren't as bad. So, do you have anything to say on the Adventures Guide, please? I think I might need to see the guide, How to Avoid Dying in ESO. It might prove very fruitful for me. So later on, I, I'm going to have to read that in length. I, I already told you how to not avoid dying in ESO. Stay away from vampires. And inversely, the vampire survival guide is do not light matches. You know, they don't like fire. That's it. But I die even when there's nothing around me. I like walk two steps and just keel over from, I, you know, I don't even see that thing behind me. I don't know. I just die all the time. Well, you know what? That's a perfect segue into our next news article. Maybe you're having a little bit of issue with your character creation. Next up, there was a groundbreaking video game. Let's players customize characters genetic code. I'm just kidding. It was a... It was a 
parody video or whatever you satire video done by the onion enough said there but i thought it was rather funny itself it was, it was quite humorous they go to say how elder scrolls online broke the mold with character creation and allows players to go out and customize everything about their character all the way down to their genetic code and like the size of their cells and if they have any issues when they design their cells it would like kill your character instantly it was a funny video what do you think they one of the guys in the video said that he had been working on his character's liver for five hours which obviously is false but it was just hilarious yeah, you know, I've been customizing his liver for five hours. You can customize all their muscles. You can make them look like amorphous blobs if you want to, because there's a randomized button which just places all kinds of like body parts and wherever they want to go. It was it was funny to watch. I really enjoyed watching it, but I'm glad it's not real because again, my character would just be dying all the time. I her genetic code would just be terrible. First off. If he's working on his liver so much, he must be making a Nord and trying to buff up that liver for the amount of mead they're drinking. Two, are you sure you didn't mess up genetic code? Because you already said you die when nothing's around. So I'm starting to think there might be a little bit of an internal problem with your character. Not really anything gameplay-wise. My my character's a little on the, the derpy side. She's kind of a little insane. You know, she's got like stomach ulcers, a couple heart problems. She's a sorcerer. That's what you get for working with all them spells. You never know what's going to happen. Is she a vampire? She is not, which I'm, I'm quite thankful for because she's really... So she's a little retarded then because who is a sorcerer if they're not a vampire? I'm also not a dragon knight, so I'm not the epitome. I'm, I'm not a dragon knight vampire sorcerer. Maybe I should just remake my character. Indeed. All right. Well, that was the Elder Scrolls... Uh, groundbreaking video it's pretty funny guys if you're in for a laugh you can see it on youtube just either go to the onion um the onions page and find it there or you can just type in groundbreaking video game lets players customize characters genetics code and you will you'll find it it's it's funny nothing else all right um Next thing on our news list. The next thing on the news list is Goshkia interview with Matt Fear in Goshkia magazine. I love these guys. I'm just going to say this right off the bat. I remember seeing this guild. This guild has a huge history, mind you. I remember seeing them because I played Dark Age of Camelot back in the day. And I remember seeing these guys out there all the time. And it, it was it, it kind of brought nostalgia for me. So this is their issue two of their magazine, and they called it From Camelot to Tamriel. It's kind of like their own personal guild journey from where they started, how the roots of the guild started. See, I know this isn't specifically about Elder Scrolls Online, but it was really neat how they talk about the creation of a guild, like, they actually talk about real-life stuff that happened, how the guild goes. It was a... I've read the entire magazine, all 148 pages. Um, and it, it was quite interesting. It was worth the read. It really was. Uh, this guild is a great group of people. And um, they actually do have a fairly long 
interview with Matt Firer in the in the pages here. I guess it starts on trying to pull it up here as I do filler, 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 filler. Um, how was your day, Thais, as it loads ever so slowly? Uh, my, my day was good. I was really hot after we went shopping. So then I jumped in the pool without my bathing suit. Just, you know, my t-shirt, my pants, just dove right in the pool. And it was very cold. It's kind of windy. But, uh, yeah, we good? You good over there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. We're finally where I needed it to be. And it's on page 17. Starts the From Camelot to Tamriel with Matt Fire. And it's really neat because it actually goes into an interview talking about Matt's early career with Mythic Entertainment and their creation of uh, Dark Age of Camelot and how all that went together, as well as his transition from that company to a, a independent consultant and then becoming the, you know, pretty much lead guy over at ZeniMax Online Studios with the idea of creating Elder Scrolls Online. And I'll tell you one thing that I loved about Dark Age of Camelot, which is one thing that I love about Elder Scrolls Online is I love the world it's set in. Even even back in the day with Dark Age of Camelot, the the, the zones were amazing where you just wanted to be in them. I remember walking around uh, the Bog of Kaloon in Hibernia forever and um, walking around the Midgard zones because that was my uh, my other tune was it a Midgard Midgard Midgardian viking viking warrior and he was pretty sweet um and i i just loved sitting out there i would be out there for hours and hours grinding away so it, it just those memories of dark age of camel i actually got a little nostalgic and almost made me want to go back and play it again but i know the game is very old compared to what the new games are now um type of gamer i've grown up to be is a little different from what I was used to at that point in time. But this, the whole idea of just being in love with the world, I was in Dark Age of Camelot, and I am again with Elder Scrolls Online, even though you know, I've loved it since all the single-player games as well. But I, I just... To, um, before I get into Tales section, I was walking around the Rift, just loving the zone. Even though I'm veteran rank 1 and really have no business to be in the Rift, I was just out there walking around admiring everything i saw and that's the kind of world that they build and it's the kind of world that i love i do encourage everyone to go out and read this magazine if you're interested in all in it they actually have interviews with um uh the the owner of ArenaNet, as well as the former ceo of tryon worlds as well so Check it out if you're interested in seeing some interviews from them. And uh, if you see any of these guys, they play the Ebonheart Pact. Yes. Say hi to them. Tell them you read their magazine. It was It's really cool. Maybe even uh, go to their website and join up. They're, they're a pretty neat group of people. Really are. All right. Well, I guess that's kind of the end of that part of the news. Do you have anything you want to say about that, Thais? I, I like the name. The, the entire theme here is it's amazing. I'm really enjoying it. In Dark Age of Camelot, it fit really well because they go in the first couple pages of the magazine, they talk about the beginning of the guild and why they made it. And the name is actually um, it's Irish, I believe. 
and they played on Hibernia, which was stuffed with Irish folklore and mythology. So that's where the name originally came from. I might be incorrect, but I believe it's Gaelic, which would be the Irish language. Yes, yeah, I think you're right. It, it's still back. It was very much fitting for that game because of the the setting in which the game was placed. But they're still they're a huge guild, uh, family community. It, it's pretty awesome. They've been going for a very long time, and they're currently on chapter five of their MMO hop. That I guess they went from. Dark Age of Camelot to, I believe it was Warhammer Online, followed by Rift, followed by Guild Wars 2, and now the Elder Scrolls Online. I think they only have active members still in Elder Scrolls Online and Guild Wars 2. Um, Off topic, but not really. Remember, I was talking about ArenaNet. They did a special thing for that man that died. Uh, they named a server after him. He was from this guild, this community. Um, they called him Old Roar, but they did Sanctum of Raw server. Yeah, that was for him. He was he was kind of one of their officers, and he was pioneering trying to get the guild to move towards Guild Wars 2 when they were kind of in a weird MMO slump, and he unfortunately passed before he ever got to play the game, but in honor of him, uh, the guild wrote letters to arena net and they made a server named after him the sanctum of raw and the entire guild is still there they have a chapter in guild wars 2 on that server as well it's it's pretty neat it really is all right well back off that little rabbit trail moving on to the next part of the news QuakeCon is coming and elder scrolls online will be there so july 17th through the 20th they are having a panel, The Future of ESO, and it will be, let's see here, QuakeCon, it is 5 to 7 p.m. Uh, CDT, Central Daylight Time, and I guess Game Director Matt Firer, Creative Director Paul Sage, Lead PvP Designer Brian Wheeler, Lead Gameplay Designer Nick Conkle, Lead Designer Rich Lambert, Art Director Jared Carr, and Lead Programmer Jesse what is that? McIntyre. Never seen it spelled that way. Anyway, they are going to be at that panel for the future of ESO, and I'm actually really, really excited to see what they come up with. So uh, anyone out there who's planning on attending QuakeCon, feel free to email me if you know find out anything awesome, and that would be great. Did you have something you wanted to say, Thais? Oh, no. Nope, I actually never known about this QuakeCon? Yeah. They're like the uh for those who don't know, QuakeCon is one of the largest land parties ever. And now they it's they're just massive. I guess it's in Dallas, Texas. Um but originally it was a huge huge land party that's open to the public. And it's pretty neat. Now they're also gonna gonna have um, different panels and different things like that as well. Uh, they're having a company meet and greet on Friday, July 18th at 7 p.m. CDT. They're also doing PvP tournaments and trial tournaments with live streams. So they'll be on their Twitch channel. 
So uh, I'll be definitely checking those out if Twitch ever decides to load for me. I may have to load it off my phone. Um, another thing is they are doing giveaways out there. So we got an interest to see what they're going to give away. I guess the first 3,000 people to attend the Q&A will receive a free copy of the Elder Scrolls Online. So if you don't have a copy and you're around Dallas, Dallas on the uh, 17th, I think it is. Uh, no, the 18th. 18th. Sorry about that. The 18th when they do their future of ESO panel. Maybe you should stop by and get a free copy. Maybe you should stop by, get a free copy, send it to us so we can give it away. Mm-hmm. Okay, never mind. Shameless plug, I don't care. So, QuakeCon. I'm kind of sad that I'm not going to be able to go. Really happy that I don't live in Dallas, Texas. Anything to say before we move on, Thais? I, I agree with that last comment. No, I'm good. Yeah, I've been to Dallas. It sucks. Sorry for anyone who actually lives there. Um, okay, next up on the news list. Ah, this one is for you, Thais. Um, let's go ahead and just do the the uh, Q&A answers, if you would. All right, so first off is Loremaster's Archive, Words of Power. So she's going to go ahead and read the question and answer section here within the Words of Power. Talinger the Artificier answers your questions. I have always been fascinated by enchanting and soul gems in particular. Is it possible to utilize the souls and soul gems in other ways than powering enchantments and spells? Could one extract the soul and manipulate it outside of the gem? Surely it is the intent of Molech Ball to use the power of soul magic. So why can we not do the same? Talinger the Artificier says... Though there is certainly a great deal of investigation into soul trapping and soul manipulation occurring on continental time real, as an Altmer I cannot in good conscience condone such experiments, which in the Somerset Isles will be rightfully banned as darkest necromancy. I advise you to turn the fire in your heart to other brighter pursuits. <laughs> that, was, that was cute. It, definitely it's a little bit of a lore lore answer there I like that. also kind of a troll thank you telling gar he's trolling us is that how it's pronounced am i pronouncing it incorrectly i'm probably pronouncing it incorrectly you pronounce it the way you want to do it i'm assuming i'm wrong <laughs> okay next question i am a humble breton battle mage who has only recently started learning the arts of enchanting my search for runes is going slow, even with the assistance of a hireling. I find I am often lacking in aspect runes. On the opposing side of the spectrum, I have an overabundance of essence runes. I have a number of potency runes, but they are beyond my level of comprehension. Have you any recommendations for learning this art more quickly? Talinger the Artificier says, Ah, you young Bretons, sometimes talented but always hasty. My advice is to seek out the companionship of others with the same interests to form a society of mutual support, an enchanter's guild, if you will. In this way, you will be able to pursue different approaches simultaneously, and all will benefit from the resulting knowledge. You will also be able to trade runes amongst yourselves. Kind of a nice roleplay answer for... Go find someone to trade runes with for deconstruction. Thanks. 
I am loving these responses. Okay, next question. I read with great interest your volume on the Enigma of the Runestones, certainly the most comprehensive account to date on this fascinating topic. I would be interested in knowing more about the words associated with the Runestones. What language are they? I am aware of the theory proposed by Nolan the Many-Hued, according to which Runestones would be the result of an alien wizard wizard's experiment. And yet the earlier word for fire is molag, whereas the essence runestone associated with fire is rakepa. And what is your personal opinion on the origin of runestones? Talonger the Artificier says, a fascinating question, which I myself have spent some time researching. Study of the runes show that they are made of repeating figures, each of which each of which is expressed as a verbal syllable. Thus, Jura, the trifling rune that translates as develop, combines the two angled slashes that we know as Jo and Ra. When J is added, the result is J Jura, the slight rune that means raise. So the rune names clearly form a language that is coherent and consistent, if limited. The question is, what language is it? This is where we begin to run out of answers, as the rune language seems to derive from no known historic or pre-dawn culture. My personal best guess is that it is a language that was entirely invented by some dawn-era enchanter or school of enchanters who left no other record of their existence than the spread of runestones across Tamriel. That was actually kind of neat. I, I like when they do these lore sections, these uh, the lore master archives. If you are interested in reading about words and power, specifically, it's kind of a lore way talking about enchanting. You can, excuse me, find this on the official Elder Scrolls Online page under their community programs. Or as of if you go there, by the time you hear listen to this episode, it's still on the front page. Unless by the time this episode goes up tomorrow, there will be. 18 new news episodes, news articles, which would be outstanding, and they proved me wrong, but I doubt that would be the case. Next up, and this is one that might actually bring some more life back into the game and get some people back into it. Veteran System Changes Preview. Um, you know what? Thanks. Go ahead and you read it. You have a much nicer voice than I do. The whole thing. All right. From posted by Zenimax. Hi everyone. One of the topics we frequently get feedback on is ESO's veteran content. Some of you may have seen our recent comments about changes we have in store for ESO's post-50 experience. We want you to know we've been listening to your suggestions and concerns, but more importantly, we want to tell you what we're doing about them. Today we have an update from the ESO dev team to share with you. Some of the concerns you've called out are veteran content is too much of a departure from the level 1 to 50 experience, playing and leveling through it is too much of a grind, and the rewards you get don't match the effort you have to put in to progress. One of the guiding principles of our veteran gameplay was to encourage you, not force you, to group. We wanted you to be able to reach max level by playing solo if you wished but still encourage you to group with others along the way. This principle was the reason we made our post-50 zones more difficult. We wanted you to get together with others, to take on tougher challenges, and form social bonds while you did so. 
But we understand that, despite our vision, this is not how all our players want to experience the game beyond level 50. We recognize that many of you love the game you played while leveling up, and that you feel the post-50 zones are too much of a departure from that experience. We hear your request to continue participating in solo content as you progress through veteran ranks, and we're acting on that feedback. Starting next week on Monday, July 7th, you'll see the first significant change we're making to the veteran system. We're implementing some balance changes to content in post-50 zones that will make it that will that will make it much more like the content from levels 1 to 50. Our goal is to remove the feeling of I have just hit a wall of difficulty that many of you have expressed. You'll be able to solo much more easily. This is just the first of many large-scale changes coming to ESO's veteran system, and we encourage you to watch our QuickCon panel on Friday, July 17th, where we'll go into much more detail about the other parts. Thank you for sticking with us, sharing your concerns, and Okay, I think we're back. I'm sorry, everyone. We had a little bit of a technical difficulty. Um, we will see how this works for the rest of the show. Hopefully, it will not be too bad. Um, okay, where we left off about that. All right. Um, I think we left off with the Zenimax changes to veteran content. Um, what do you think there, Thies? How... Do you think it will actually bring back members of the community who gave up during the uh, after they hit veteran rank? I, with the changes that they're saying, I don't know if it will. And I say that because if all they're doing is nerfing it, people aren't saying that it's it's too difficult to do. Just, just that it feels to, like, like that nowhere, nowhere does it say it's just it's way too hard. Just make it easier because it's way too hard. Nowhere does it say that. What they need to do instead is maybe give you leave the enemies just as difficult, make it so that you gain more experience for completing quests and killing mobs, and make the rewards better. Just, just, just. Make it better, because the stuff that we're getting is is like exactly the same as we were getting levels before. That's all that really needs to be changed. If people still don't want to group, then that's their own fault. Come on, guys, this is an MMO. You do kind of have to play with other players. Yeah, I, I definitely think a lot of that is the problem. Um, I... I I don't know. I've heard a lot of people say that the veteran content was just too hard for them to do. Now, I like difficulty. I'm talking, I like Dark Souls difficulty here. Um, but I think a lot of the player base felt that, again, this could be bad builds. It could be as much as ZeniMax want to say, play the way you want to play, there are certain builds that are better. Certain builds, let's just be frank, they suck. Alright? And that's why people are dying. They're playing the way they want to play, but the way they want to play just doesn't have the math behind it. The math to say, yeah, you know what? We can do more damage. But 
I think that's what if they're losing subscribers because and I'm sure I've heard a lot of people do this that they love the leveling experience but as soon as they hit veteran rank it wasn't fun because even if they don't change the rewards the rewards felt like a slap in the face for the amount of work you had to do considering you could all go into a level one character in Stros Mackay on a different faction you know and play and you'd be fine you know you'd get the same reward and do it in one-tenth of the time you know i i think when we did this uh before we get into our pl gameplay we got into this with our dragon knights we did our dragon knight templar combo on our alts for daggerfall covenant we completed the entire island in less than an hour we were working on stros makai as a group for probably six before not including the time spent trying to jump across that little bridge you know so i padded the numbers a little bit if we add that in there but it it's the amount of work you had to do did not go with the payoff so if they lower it and people get to veteran rank 12 faster and get to do stuff they want to do i think it will definitely help i really do i i still stand by what i think though don't necessarily make it easier Give us more experience and more rewards, and then people will think it's worthwhile. All right. Well, that ends our game news for this week. Um, next up, I'm going to have a little bit of an Elder Scrolls discussion topic slash host rant. And this is one thing I was talking about when I was in, in the Rift. I was walking around playing ESO. And the question popped into my head is, why does ESO feel more like an MMO than the single-player games? Now, bear with me. This is my opinion here. So this is what I was just thinking about. As I was walking around, you could just feel that the game feels more of an MMO. Not completely an MMO, mind you, because there's a lot of MMO systems that this game lacks, um, which I'm not going to get into that argument, but that's another thing we, we might have to address in a later host rant. Um, but it was just the feel. The game feels great, but there's just something that makes you feel like, yes, I'm not part of I'm not playing Skyrim. And no, I'm not talking about all the other players you see running around in towns and stuff like that. Because I can ignore that. Because, to be honest, in Skyrim, towns always felt kind of small. You know, like, sitting there going, okay, so this is the biggest town in Skyrim and you have 20 people? Really? You know, it, it's just one of those things that, in, in, the, in the mind, if you really want to project yourself into a world... A big city wouldn't have 20 people. And when you when you read the lore books and stuff of that nature, and they talk about, like, the Imperial Legions, you know, how they had thousands of troops and stuff like that, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, man, you couldn't even fit thousands of people into this town. How are people supplying, you know, like, your army force consists of 10 people. You're like, yep, that's my army. You know, so I'm not even talking about other players, because in reality, when I'm in town, other players make my my city experience feel more alive and more like a living world. But one thing I was thinking when I'm walking around the rift is it's graphical and no elder scrolls online graphics aren't bad. They are quite good and they're gorgeous. 
Like they are better than um, single player Skyrim unmodded with EMB, of course. What do you agree with that, Faze? I do. I do. Like the god rays coming through, the new lighting. It, it's just gorgeous. The world itself is very pretty. The lighting, the graphics are gorgeous, minus the armor. I think they need to change that um, to make the armor feel more like armor. They really just, they need to scrap their armor design and switch it up and add better armor. Like make their armor multiple parts rather than just paint it on. Again, that's another host rant. What I'm really getting to here is the land itself walking through the rift the biggest problem that i saw and it's not even really a problem but it's something that i feel i was looking through some screenshots the other day of skyrim and the first thing i really noticed was the trees the trees and the foliage they're a lot more sparse in elder scrolls online than they were in Skyrim are... Well, we'll say Skyrim, because Morrowind and Oblivion were a little bit more sparse than even this, but that was older technology. Again, MMO, they ha they're putting less assets out there. But another thing, the ground. Like, they, you don't see a lot of small vegetation growing up. Like, you know, it looks like they just kind of put a pattern of grass on the ground. That's the texture they put on there, and that's it. They don't have a lot of bushes and plants and, and foliage that's laying around. So the world feels just kind of open. Yes, there's more mobs running around and stuff like that, but it just feels like they should add more trees, more foliage to the entire the entire landscape and i think that would make the game feel more elder scrollsy with the sense of adventure of what is behind that bush what what is it you know that's what i personally that is the jealous opinion of why elder scrolls feels more like an mmo and less like a, a single player game face do you agree with that sentiment i do I All right, this is this is difficult. I do agree with that. But then at the same time I I guess I kind of don't because the only thing I would disagree with is mob placement. The way that the mobs are set up in this game kind of has the feel of a single player because when you walk around in Wildstar, you see very quick spawn rates of this group of whatever mob here, all tightly packed, five feet, it's this other group of mobs here, but in between all that, there's this giant mob, and this giant mob, and this giant mob. The mob placement in ESO makes me think single player, because every mob is a purpose as to where it is located. Like, there's, there's no groups of mobs that are like, okay, so there's those ones there, and then, like, five feet, there's a whole new group because you're constantly doing those gopher quests because you're not in ESO. But I enjoy that aspect about it, that every mob has a reason to be in a specific place. On Strosbakai, when we were going into... Uh, well, can I pronounce it correctly? 
but this arc yeah okay but this arc that that one Dwemer ruin and there were wolves standing outside it, it made sense to me that those you know few packs of wolves were kind of chilling there they but there wasn't like tons of them in this tiny area they were just kind of scattered around me outside on this plane it's the only thing it's the only thing that I feel differently about is the mobs but I like the single-player mob type in this MMO because it does make it feel more realistic and I, I like the environment that you can play in and I just I just love this game <laughs> I actually disagree with you on the mob placement it's a little different because they're not as thick. So yes, in other MMOs, Wildstar, Warcraft, Rift, everything was kind of grouped together when you went into a section. They kind of went with a more loose, sparse, so it kind of felt more one-off. However, the thing, you know, there's still a set location. I can tell you right now, if I go into the Rift, there is a, a, a watchtower. If I go there, there are going to be five bandits always there. They might be walking around doing a little routine, but they're always there. Troll Gully in the Rift, if I walk through there, it's full of trolls. Trolls were something that you found out in the wilderness. They kind of had a, 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 a rotating pattern, if you will. And I think that's something they could do to change the UI. They, if they change the way, like, or made longer UI patrol patterns, it might help with that. It's a little different than MMOs because they're not like 50 in an area, but I can tell you right now, I can go, you give me a mob in the rift and I can tell you exactly where it's at. Because, I mean, you go north of Ripton to those broken villages, directly north there. First, there's an encounter, so I'm not even going to include that with the Wisp Mother. But if you go a little bit to the west, it is full of saber, saber-toothed cats. That's it. They're always there. You know? But that they're always there. So it has the trope MMO trappings of mob spawns and placement. But ESO cleverly tries to hide it by thinning the herd of numbers and spreading it over a larger area. So, I mean, it's clever, but it's still there. With an MMO, you kind of have to deal with that. It, they, they haven't figured out AI scripts to do with general mobs like i know some games have uh mobs that will or you know for those who don't play mmos mobs is a term for enemy that will patrol a very large area but they normally reserve that kind of computing power for rare spawns and stuff like that they don't really do that for common mobs because i can only imagine the stress on the server that it would cause to add um unique or at least semi-unique like each group of mob would have okay you walk from the rifton over to uh short or to shore stone and walk back and forth it doesn't seem like a long distance but you have more than one mob doing that pattern every day that's a lot of stress on the servers a lot and, and to do that for hundreds of thousands of of mobs in the game would be of a programmer's nightmare. If that really is how it is, then they did a great job in fooling me. They really did, which which is good, which is which is really good. If they can 
make my MMO have a little bit of a single player feel with mobs because I'm not bored of the mobs. Because they never, they, um, I am just walking across the plane and I feel that the placement of everything is perfect. It's not like walking through, you know, World of Warcraft. It feels different. The world always feels alive. So then they, they, they did a good job in fooling me. <laughs> Way to go, guys. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying it's bad. They did a very good job with disguising the fact that they were limited to an MMO mechanic, if you will. But it's just the world in general, and that's the way I felt when I was walking around the rift, whereas I just felt with the lack of vegetation, not even the trees so much as the smaller uh, flora, the bushes and the flowers, they just seemed to have less of it. So it made the ground feel very open and you could see for a very long distance. I don't know what kind of hardware strain it would put out to put, you know, plop a whole bunch of plants into it because that's more assets that you'd have to render. It may cause some uh, slowness issues for some people, but I would like to see them change it. Uh, they might have done it specifically with performance in mind, but I would like to see them change that. You should be, if you can walk through it, there should be an option to turn it off in your settings. That's something Zenimax could do. Whereas you could have this smaller, sparse, like plants and stuff everywhere and have crap tons of them. But then have a section in there where you could lower it down going, I only want to see 75% of the extra plants or I don't want to see any. And that would nerf it down if you will graphics wise so your computer didn't have to render that many as long as their server hardware can handle it i would say do it because i would crank it up because my computer could handle that amount of rendering others maybe not but give us the option to make the game feel more alive do you have anything else you would like to say before we move on yes i do actually one of my biggest beefs with this game that definitely makes it feel like an MMO rather than a single player game. It, it kills me that this is how it is in this game. There are no children in the game and that drives me nuts, especially considering how alive the world is supposed to be how many characters in the game go, oh yeah, this is my daughter, and this is my son, and but everyone's the same exact age. The one quest, the guy had like 12 brothers, but they all were the same age. Now, yes, they have the age slider to make people look older, but there's still no, there's still no children running around the towns. They're, they're not you know, running up to you, trying to make you, you know, buy lemonade. There's there's no children. There's no sense of, outside of the fact that your character can die, there's no sense of the circle of life. There's no children. There's no real elderly. RK would be so pissed right now. No circle of life. He's, he's just, he's up there in, in a theory, it's just being, or not even a theorist. He's up there just being like, sucks so yes that that is the one thing that i can say makes it feel like an mmo rather than a single player and i i, I really do think they need to add children into the game obviously make them unkillable like that's that's a given 
Don't let them ever be able to be harmed. Just add them to towns or something. Have them running around in circles around fountains. Just add them in. Make there be children. All right. First off, a couple things. One, they should make us allow us to kill kids. I'm just saying. It's a mature rating game. Let's just go, you know, throw our, our cards to the wind. Let us kill kids. The game's dark. Make it darker. Let us kill kids. And with the new justice system, we could literally beat the living crap out of child killers. I mean, yeah, who wouldn't? I would. I'm not saying I'd kill kids, but I'd like to kill people who kill kids. So let us kill the kids. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't even say it's an MMO trapping, because even Warcraft had a limited amount of kid models. Zenimax just, let's face it, they got lazy and didn't add the models in. Will they add it? I would love them to do it, but this is one of those fluff things where you have to make the decision. Again, the same with my whole suggestion is, do we want to waste the assets on making models that we won't let people actually play? I say yes. Make the world feel real alive. To be honest, I would be happy to forego a month of patch, you know, like maybe a new dungeon or something, if they said, hey, we're working on adding kids to it. Or working on this for new art. Any any true Elder Scrolls fan would be like, yes, please. I'm sure almost everyone would say, yeah, we, the next patch cycle, instead of giving us a new veteran dungeon or a new trial, give us these quality of life changes to make the game better. I mean, the next update's going to do that with the die system. It, it's quality of life. that If they're saying they're adding children to make the world feel more fleshed out, they're adding new flora to the graphics models that would be great i don't think there needs to be new flora i, I really don't i think the world feels beautiful and alive when you're running ac across a plane i i think that more trees might add more clutter but i do agree with you that that's what makes it an mmo i i do agree with that but I, I don't agree with adding more because that would be that would just be way too much. Especially since in alchemy you're picking plants. If they add more flowers, more flora, that might just confuse the confuse the crap out of everybody. But kids, they have to add kids. Like they they do. It would be it would be so amazing because you'd be able to see. Like yes, it would take a lot of creating for them, especially with having to figure out how to miniaturize so many races like how do you make children orcs how do you make children dark elves because they've they've never existed before have they were they no they did not not children of those races but children have existed before with with this like they it needs to be there I disagree. Children don't need to be there. More flora do. And by the way, there's a game mechanic to help you realize what flowers are. It's called that glow effect. So it would glow. Yeah, don't. Make the world feel more real before you add children. Okay, we're going to get off this topic before we just start fighting over this. Second off, just before I... No. Second off, before we do this, I want to say this. This is one thing I just noticed. I, I, it might be kind of weird, like, breaking the, the fourth wall kind of rule here. But a lot of people tell us how they love our our compatibility. And the best thing is, I wish people could see us recording. Because 
we're staring at each other talking. So it's not like we're just even staring at... I'm not even looking at my computer screen anymore. I've turned my chair, positioned my mic so that way it's facing me, and I'm looking at these, and we're, like, gesturing to one another. And that's how we record our sessions. And I just... As I'm sitting here, she's talking, she's trying to emphasize to me, like, doing her hand gestures to me to make her point. It, it's just kind of neat. As I'm sitting here going, this is how we record. This is I, what I think people like our interactions because they're actually legit interactions because we're over here like throwing things at each other. It's it's pretty funny. I'm a very animated talker, even when I'm reading books and everything. And when when it starts getting heated on my end, I, I am definitely gesturing and making funny faces at him. I'm like totally hunched in my chair, staring at him, eye daggers whenever he doesn't agree. All right. Well, that was another rabbit trail, but we're going to move on to the next section, the Tales of Tamriel. First off on the guest tales, I made another tweet out there. Unfortunately, I did it kind of late i only got one response but it's from our friend road i love road he's over at tsocast you should give him a follow on twitter at that road guy or you could actually add his uh roleplay account the naked nord at naked nord um but he actually went on twitter when i asked what people were doing today in eso he goes grinding so much grinding 75 percent to VR. I know I have 74, but it meant to be 75. I'm sorry. Um, VR5. Not much more to go. Hashtag Naked Nord. Love Road over there at TisoCast. He's a great guy. You should go listen to TisoCast. Follow him on Twitter. You'll you'll love it. He posts all the time for ESO as well as Swotor. So if you're interested in that, give him a follow. Um, yeah. Well, lucky for Road that there are changes coming to the veteran rank system, so that should really help you out there, Road. All right, so that we only had one response this week for our uh, guest tales, and I'm sorry I kind of put the tweet out there kind of last minute because there's been a lot of things going on uh, personally in our, in our in our personal life that kind of ate up a lot of my time uh, this week. Um, but anyway, moving on to the next section. Talking about our tales, let's let's talk a little bit about our characters. Um, our mains first. Base, why don't, why don't you go ahead and tell us what has changed since last week? Well, I have been sitting on all kinds of skill points, and before I put any any points in, into unlocking any skill, I really take into consideration the description of the skill. Most of the time, I don't use any kind of buff skills or debuff skills. So I, I haven't really used a lot of snares, a lot of like stuns, anything like that, which is probably why I die very frequently. But thankfully, I am fixing that this week. I added skill points into a couple new skills, uh, placed them on my bar, so I can try and figure them out like I finally got oh my gosh I cannot think of what it's called the lightning jump hand signal retreat something no lightning flash <laughs> I can't think of what it's called that that one sorcerer skill where you're like bolt lightning bolt <laughs> I 
Oh my gosh, this is so bad. I forget what it's called. Okay, but I added points into that one, which is really fun for me to run around Stros Mackay while I'm lightning bolting like away from Ag, like just multiple times until I run out of mana. I cannot believe I forget what it's called. I also got the skill Encase to you know to try it out a little bit, see what's see what's going on there. I updated my I morphed my Daedric Mines ability to now give me five, because I figure I might be able to survive more if I'm completely protected in a circle a little bit. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna give that a try. Although now that I have that the lightning lightning escape bolt escape. Is that what it is? I think it's called Bolt Escape. Now that I have Bolt Escape, I might actually be able to outrun enemies that are attacking me. So then, that maybe, Ag can actually save me for once, because he never seems to do so. Well, you know the old adage is, I don't have to run faster than the enemy, just faster than you. Saves them my repair bills. Um, as for myself, I haven't changed a lot about my character this week. Um, I'm still leveling up the medium armor and the light armor. It's going slow. And the bow going even slower. But I have crafted for myself a full, or not a full set, um, five pieces of heavy armor and two pieces of medium armor that's veteran rank two. I have Hunding's Rage Enchant, that's a five-piece, and uh, the Night Mother's Embrace, the three-piece set. I don't care what they say, I know stamina builds suck, but that's what I like to play, and I'm not doing Craglorn, so I refuse to play the Elder Staves online right now. Uh, but that being said, I'm preparing for the Elder Staves online, so I'm going to level my Destruction Staff, and I made myself a, uh, a Destruction Staff that I'll need to get working on leveling here very soon um but i'm not even going to put any of that on until i'm vr2 because i made it vr2 and uh that's where i'm sitting on my character now uh starting from where we left off last week we actually just finished off the rest of um stros Mackay and moved on to uh, Beth bethnic bethnic the orc island but what we had left to do was we assaulted the dwarven ruin Bithzark, Bithzark, as we'll say. Um, again, if anyone's went through this, it, it it's not a big dwar dwarven ruin, and that's one of the things I hate about ESO, and I will say hate about ESO, is how small dwarven ruins actually are, whereas in Skyrim, in Morrowind, they were huge. When you went into, I, like, I avoided Dwarven Ruins up until, like, level 15 because they were hard leveled there. And they were just long. Like, I emptied all my bags. I made sure I was carrying nothing. Um, but it's just really disappointing the way they design uh, all Dwarven Ruins in this game. Just very disappointing. I think they need to add into the game some sort of completely solo or completely duo form, they have to reincarnate the Sightless Pit. I, I would love to, to see that done on like an, an, in a type of MMO, because the Sightless Pit still gives me nightmares. Oh my gosh. And I would love to be able to go through something like that with you, but they have to make it super long, they have to make it so difficult, you just wanna like 
punch cats in the face. That is how difficult they have to make it. Well, first off, considering we're Evan Hart packed, I love punching Khajiit in the face. It's it's what we do. Um, but hey, maybe that'll come in when uh, the White Run section gets added to Skyrim. Maybe we'll have to wait and see. Well, the one thing that again we're doing this at veteran difficulty. This is one of the first times I think I've died in the veteran difficulty because they left me. Um, I have marked on here the Sky Bridge of Doom because as we're running across Bithzark's uh, section, there's this one area that has two different doorways, and when you leave, one doorway has one set of traps, and the other doorway has another set. We went out the one set that. When we went out, every single pipe put one of those mechanical dwarven spiderlings came out and assaulted us. Well, my brilliant, brilliant wife, Thais, over here decides, forget this, and just like bolts escapes across the thing. First off, I'm going to say this, she's a little derpy, as she said earlier, because she forgot when you're in combat, you can't open the door. But the thing about the traps is every time you pass one, it pops more out. So she's running back and forth across the bridge, and she's spawning like 30 of these spiderlings. I'm like, stop moving! And she caused us, well, caused me to die twice trying to protect her bum. Because she's like, she runs up, gets like three of them, so she runs backwards to the door on the opposite side, and then the ones we already passed spawn more. Now we got six of them, so I'm trying to fight them. I'm running out of Magicka, and we're moving a little forward. So what does she do? She does the same darn thing again, where she runs across the bridge, sets off three, and then runs all the way back to the beginning door, this time setting off an extra six. And now I'm fighting nine of them, and then she's freaked out. She starts bold escaping to the other side, which sets off all the rest. By the time we were done, there were probably 18 or 19 spiderlings. And she's over there trying to get in the door, and I'm dying. I was finally able to get in the door, because somehow or another, they all went to Ag. So I was able to get through the door, and I'm screaming at him from my chair, come through the door, come through the door. And he's yelling at me, like, you left me out here by myself. I'm getting eaten by mechanical spiders. And I'm like, oh, crap. Now i got to go back out of the door. I have to try and save him. But while I was reaching for the door, he actually died right outside the door again. Which made all the spiders kind of disappear and, and go back to the middle of the bridge. So when I left the door, I rezzed them, and everything was fine. He rezzed, we were able to continue, but it really was the Sky Bridge of Doom. It was, it was fun times. Now, conversely, we actually went and redid uh, Stros Mackay on our... Um, on our, our alt tunes for Daggerfall Covenant, we each made an Imperial, and I made a Imperial Dragon Knight, and Thais made an Imperial Templar. Now, we did the whole thing of Stress Makai again. We're actually on the final quest, trying to push off and get that done. We'll probably do that a little later to finish that off, but we wanted to try to play those characters a little bit. Now, when we went to Bithzark on them, we went the other direction. Now, again, this isn't veteran rank this time, so it was kind of easier. We should have went the other way before because it was just traps. Uh, steam vents that you just waited for them not to steam anymore and you ran across them. Like little laser kind of things that would hurt you if you ran through them. You just waited till they turned off and then ran 
past. So if you go right or left, if you go left when you're at that section, if you go out the left door, you're at the Sky Bridge of Doom. If you go right, you're at Frogger. Make your choice. But it, it was it was kind of kind of difficult. So that was our gameplay for this week. We didn't get a whole bunch in, but we did get the play. You know, it, it doesn't seem like we had a lot in, but like the veteran rank stuff, we probably played for a good eight eight or nine hours this week. And I mean, we did that within two or three days because I didn't have a lot of time this week. And um, so there, we did play a lot, but we didn't accomplish that much. Again, that kind of shows you a little bit about the veteran rank stuff. That does take a while. Now, I do have a couple little, uh, or one extra little notes here about, we found all sorts of people all hot and bothered about uh, Jakarn. And I'm talking some dirty kind of stuff here. So if you have any children, please skip ahead for this next section. But I had to go over this. When we're on the boat, we get to talk to all these people about Jakarn. Uh, this little swab debonair breton rogue kind of guy and it's funny because like we see a red guard and a bosmer altmer altmer woman on the ship going we came to join uh the, the crew to be around karn me and her have a bet to see who can bet him first i'm like oh my the best one was there's this big beefy nord who i walk up to <laughs> And he's like, you ask him why he joined the crew. He's like, well, I joined the crew to follow Jakarn. Oh, I can't wait. We'll be. I cannot wait till we're sitting out here on the sun parched deck, shirtless and sweating in the sun. You wouldn't understand. I'm just sitting there going, oh, oh dear, oh, oh dear indeed. And I just, I, I walked off. That's some crazy, crazy stuff. If I was in that bet, I, I think I would definitely win because I, I find Jakar, uh, he's he's pretty hot and I kind of have a soft spot for Bretons and he's a thief that's like the total package. Although you, you are my Nord, you will always be my Nord, but you're not a thief. So Jakarn, oh, Jakarn. Okay, well now that we got the splooshing done, um... Moving on to the next section here. Oh, one last thing. I was, before the show, I was kind of playing around in the rift, just farming farming some plants for alchemy because I just want to stock up on a whole bunch of herbs for potion creating. And night fell, and uh, something happened to my character that I never intended it to happen. As I'm walking around, just searching for stuff, I'm picking plants. All of a sudden, I'm starting to get attacked. I turn around. I'm getting attacked by a freaking werewolf. I fight the thing off, and I look at my character sheet. I have accidentally contracted uh, Sanus Lupinus, the werewolf disease. So now, unfortunately, I have to cure myself of like, uh, like, lycanthropy. Lycanthropy. There we go. Um, totally unintentional because I didn't want to be either a werewolf or a vampire in this, but I was scratched by a werewolf. I didn't even know they were up because they're a rare spawn. And I'm just around there picking flowers and all of a sudden my screen goes red because something's attacking me and there's a werewolf slashing at me and I contracted the disease. So now I have to finish the quest to become, I guess, a full-fledged werewolf and then I can cure it. 
I don't think there's any way of curing it before you finish the quest. Because when I went back into Riften, I now have a quest marker about being called by uh, Daedric Prince Hercene. I'm like, oh, great. Great. So yes, Ajelis the Templar has inadvertently contracted lycanthropy. And he now is getting a little furry. That's a problem. Stay tuned next week when you find out what happened. All right, moving on to the next section, the dramatic reading. This week we'll be starting a new series of books uh, from the Elder Scrolls Online. Since the last series we did was the set called Daedric Princes, uh, we decided to do a little bit of an inverse, and we'll be reading the series of books in the set Divines and Deities. This series of books contains ten volumes, which include... Gods and Worship in Tamriel, Monomyth, the Dragon God and the Missing God, Monomyth, Lorcan and Sadakal, Monomyth, Shezar's Song, the Monomyth, the Heart of the World, Monomyth, the Myth of Arubus, Nine Commands of the Eight Divines, the Anuyad, Paraphrased, and the Lunar Lorcan, and finally, Vivek and Minfala. So this week, we'll be starting off this series of books with Gods and Worship in Tamriel. Thais, take it away. Gods are commonly judged upon the evidence of their interest in worldly matters. A central belief in the active participation of deities in mundane matters can be challenged by the reference to apparent apathy and indifference on the part of gods during times of plague or famine. From intervention in legendary quests to manifestations in common daily life, no pattern for the gods of Tamriel activities is readily perceived. The concerns of gods in many ways may seem unrelated, or at best unconcerned with the daily trials of the mortal realm. The exceptions do exist, however. Many historical records and legends point to the direct intervention of one or more gods at times of great need. Many heroic tales recount blessings of the divinity bestowed upon heroic figures who worked or quested for the good of a deity or the deity's temple. Some of the more powerful artifacts in the known world were originally bestowed upon their owners through such reward. It has also been reported that priests of high ranking in their temples may on occasion call upon their deity for blessings or help in time of need. The exact nature of such contact and the blessings bestowed is given to much speculation, as the temples hold such associations secret and holy. This direct contact gives weight to the belief that gods are aware of the mortal realm. In many circumstances, however, these same gods will do nothing in the face of suffering and death, seeming to feel no need to interfere. It is thus possible to conclude that we, as mortals, may not be capable of understanding more than a small fraction of the reasoning and logic such beings use. One defining characteristic of all gods and goddesses is their interest in worship and deeds. Deeds, in the form of holy quests, are just one of the many things that bring the attention of a deity. Deeds in everyday life, by conforming to the statues and obligations of individual temples, are commonly supposed to please a deity. Performance of ceremony in a temple may also bring a deity's attention. 
Ceremonies vary according to the individual deity. The results are not always apparent, but sacrifice and offerings are usually required to have any hope of gaining a deity's attention. While direct intervention in daily temple life has been recorded, the exact nature of the presence of a god in daily mundane life is a subject of controversy. A traditional saying of the Wood Elves is that one man's miracle is another man's accident. While some gods are believed to take an active part of daily life, others are well known for their lack of interest in temporal affairs. It has been theorized that gods do in fact gain strength from such things as worship through praise, sacrifice, and deed. It may even be theorized that the number of worshippers a given deity has may reflect on his overall position among the other gods. This is my own conjecture, guarded from the apparent ability of the larger temples to attain blessings and assistance from their god with greater ease than smaller religious institutions. There are reports of the existence of spirits in our world that have the same capacity to use the actions and deeds of mortals to strengthen themselves as do the gods. The understanding of the exact nature of such creatures would allow us to understand with more clarity the connection between a deity and the deity's worshippers. The implication of the existence of such spirits leads to the speculation that these spirits may even be capable of raising themselves to the level of a god or goddess. Matuuso of the Imperial Seminary has suggested that these spirits may be the remains of gods and goddesses who through time have lost all or most of their following, reverting to their earliest, most basic form. Practitioners of the old ways say that there are no gods, just greater and lesser spirits. Perhaps it is possible for all three theories to be true. Excellent. I, I, I love this series of books because I generally align myself closer with the um, with the Aedra and, and the quote-unquote good aligned deities than the Daedra other than um, Meridia because they tend to be, even though they say Daedra have no real good or bad because they don't have concept of such a thing, but in the eyes of mortals, some tend to be worse than others because of our mortal vision and the, the laws that we place upon them. Um, but it just it seems as whole that I, I love the Aedra way more than I do Daedra with the exception of Meridia. So this series of books is really cool. Okay, um, we're going to move on to our next section, which is the Community Spotlight. And this week, yet again, I picked another article from Tamriel Journal. I've been using them quite a bit because they have a lot of good stuff. Uh, I do encourage you to go check them out. For this week, what we are spotlighting is the Public Dungeon Group Challenge and Conqueror Guide. If you're interested, every large public dungeon in ESO includes a group challenge, which yields a skill point for completion. Achievement hunters will no doubt want to kill all the public dungeon bosses and champions for extra achievement points before leaving the dungeon as well. Large public dungeons, of course, also have a sky shard in them, which at times can be very difficult to find or get to. Now, this guide provides a map for all the large dungeons in ESO marked with the group challenge, champion, and sky shard locations. And it is really cool because they go through and they list every one of these dungeons that have 
um, that have these unique challenges. Not every public dungeon, only the big ones. And they list all of them, and in on the interactive map, they show you exactly where all the bosses spawn, where all the champions spawn, and, in the case of some of them, where the sky shards are, such as Crowswood. If anyone's ever done the Crowswood one, it's a really hard sky shard to find. It's literally off the map. It's that far off. It's, it's interesting. And it's just such a well-put-together guide that I really encourage everyone to go take a look at it. Because there are a lot, of, especially if you're an achievement hunter, and are kind of curious. Because not all the time the champions are kind of like rare spawns. They're not always up. So sometimes it's kind of hard to know, well, is he up or do I just wait for him to respawn? Especially if you don't know where he normally spawns at. So if you're interested, you should check it out. Go out to TamrailJournal.com and search for their public dungeon, group challenge, and conqueror guide. You won't be disappointed, I promise you that. And we want to do a special thank you yet again to Tamarail Journal for their awesome fan site. I love it, use it pretty much every day. Thanks for being an awesome part of the Elder Scrolls Online community. Thank you so much. Okay, we're going to move on to our next section, which will be our iTunes reviews and our emails. But I'm going to let Thais go ahead and read these. Awesome. Okay, from iTunes. <laughs> Great ESO podcast with variety. Five stars. Deltia69. <laughs> This is a great Elder Scrolls Online podcast that explores more than just the game. They have a great lore section, in-depth discussion, and a great guest. Huh. Great guest. No, I do agree. I love Deltia. And if you don't know who he is, I'm pretty sure this is... I don't know for... For, you know, for fact, if this is the Deltia that was on our show. But I have a sneaky suspicion that it is, hence why he said he had such a great guest. But he is a great guest, and we hope he comes back soon. Um, check out his site, deltiasgaming.com. Awesome stuff about ESO. Check it out. Next we have Templars Need Help. Parkman, one, two, three, four, five, six, five, seven. Jealous. Love this podcast. It gives a three-way debate on all things ESO. I am a Breton Templar, and I couldn't agree more about us needing buffs. All I do is spam the spears because I morphed it to where it drains health. So until all are dead, I spam. I'd love to join your guild and enjoy listening to other people's view on this awesome game. Well, uh... Parkman. I'm just going to call you Parkman for now. Thank you so much for your comment. Uh, that was a five-star review as well. I just forgot to mark it. Um, if you're interested in joining the guild, we would love to have you. Just whisper or send an in-game mail to either at Agelos. That's A-G-G-E-L-O-S. You obviously know how to spell it because you spelled it correctly in the uh, iTunes comment. Or at Tear Eater. T-E-A-R-E-A-T-E-R. -E -E and we will toss you a guild invite and you can kind of come and hang out with us. Um... Before we move on to the emails, I don't know if we're going to do this yet. I'm going to try to figure out a way, but we might be doing the show in kind of a fun, unique way if I can figure out how to get it to work. Um, so I don't want to do too many spoilers yet in case I don't know how to do it. But I definitely encourage you, if you like to hang out, if you'd like to be part of the discussion, we are looking at a way of getting everyone in the guild active in the in the, in the the show. Um, 
And uh, as soon as I can work out the details, I'll let everyone know. But it should be fun if I can get it working. So no promises yet. But if you're part of the guild, I am working on a way to get everyone in the guild involved during every show. Okay, next we have one email from Sean. Hi, just listened to your podcast episode 22 and your topic of Magicka versus Stamina. I just wanted to say removing Equilibrium from the game. You and the PvP guy hit it on the nose. I have beliefs of the Magicka versus Stamina that might make sense from a Templar perspective. So here goes. Magicka builds, I believe, are meant to do high damage but with minimal sustainability. Stamina builds are meant to do good damage with high sustainability. If you look at a stamina build, the, mo the abilities are mostly anti-spam, meant to be weaved in and out of light heavy attacks of your chosen weapon. At the same time, every point towards stamina increases your light heavy attacks. So we have stronger light heavy attacks than a magicka build, assuming they have zero points in stamina, meaning we can sustain better DPS than a magicka build when both are out of resources. Next thing to look at is stamina builds, except bows, are in the mix of combat and need more uses of block, dodge, and stun, which is why this scales off of our required resource. This seems bad, but when you look at it, when you look at the fact our DPS is sustained by light heavy attacks, it actually makes sense. So based on this premise, the issue is magic builds are not running out of magic like they are meant to, so they are reaching a higher DPS, and able to sustain it when simply put, they should have gone out of magicka. This game was never meant to be a spam abilities game, and in order to do things in the... <laughs> And in order to do so, certain things in the game are required to keep that high DPS, which is simply broken or OP, i.e. restoration staff, equilibrium, and simply anything that really allows infinite magicka. Sorry this was so long, I would really like to hear your input more and that PvP guy's input as well as anybody else's. <laughs> Using the forums was worthless. <laughs> I will say using the forums is pretty much worthless. I posted several ideas in, in like the suggestion areas and tried to get community feedback. And if it's not trolls, again, I did this in the earlier month, It's you don't get a whole lot of information. You, a lot of people don't hit your topic unless you're controversial. If you go in saying the game sucks, you'll have 500 responses either agreeing or disagreeing within 10 minutes. But if you actually try to put a thoughtful response together, people just seem to ignore it because it's not the drama they're looking for on the forums, I guess. I don't know. Um, I, I do like your 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 uh, ideas here. It, it, it does make sense. It really does. But as you said, the main problem, what we were talking about last week, is the ability for anyone using um, a staff to essentially have infinite magicka with equilibrium. And that's the problem. It's just, like you said, you can do a lot of damage with magic abilities and stuff like that. But if you always have Magicka, then there's really no reason not to do it, you know? Technically speaking, if I want to do a high damage build, what I should probably do is just put Puncturing Strikes on and Equilibrium and do the exact same thing that everyone else is doing. I will just spam Puncturing Strikes and then 
equilibrium when I'm out of Magicka and keep doing that until I'm refilled. The problem is it costs too much. I would still run into those Magicka issues. But I, I, if they were to remove equilibrium, I think we really would see a more diverse set of skills because, like you said, after a couple of attacks, they're out of Magicka completely and they have to wait to go back up and we would have better sustained damage. But I'm still of the notion that they need to take blocking, stunning, and dodging away from stamina and give us another resource for it. I know it seems kind of weird and not Elder Scrolls-y, but doing those things eats up so much stamina from us that it just it just hurts. Um, Ace, do you have anything before we move on? I'm only a level 4 Templar, so I have no opinion on this just yet, but if you give me a little bit of time, I might. You're level 6, baby. Oh, well, I've already said to, to, to the fans that I'm, I'm, I'm bad at math, so, yeah. That's not math, that's just counting. Okay, so I'm bad at counting. Gosh, can't, I can't be perfect at everything. <laughs> all right well thank you so much for those emails and those itunes reviews those are awesome for us well now it's time for the final part of our show which is our final thoughts so um Thais, go ahead and tell us your final thoughts for this episode it was an awesome episode as always i'm glad to be delving into a different section of books because i Unlike Ag, I lean more towards my three favorites, Daedra. But I do have... Uh, and those three favorite Daedra are uh, Molek Ball, Mayrun's Dagon, and Namira, right? Wow, that is no. Just no. It, well, it's at least uh, Namira, correct? No. Um, no. Like a million no's. Nope, 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 nope. Nope. It is Azura, Meridia, and Nocturnal. Those, I love them. And then out of the one Aedra that I love is Mara. So yes, I'm excited to be delving into this group of books. It's so exciting. Excellent, excellent. I want to thank my co-host for joining me this evening. As for myself, you know... Uh, the big thing that I want to talk about the show was definitely about the ESO, and I really, I still say they need to add both children and trees. They need to give us a way to make the world feel more alive, and I, 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 the Elder Scrolls fans will love it. They really will. I hope everyone enjoyed this. I want to thank everyone for listening to this podcast. If you want to help support the podcast, feel free to donate via PayPal link on our website. Uh, if you wish to contact us with questions, comments, criticisms, the website for the show is talesoftamrail.com, or you can email the show at podcast at talesoftamrail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at Tales of Tamrail, Facebook at facebook.com slash Tales of Tamrail podcast, or on YouTube at youtube.com slash Tales of Tamrail. Also, feel free to rate and subscribe to us via iTunes. That helps us out a lot. Um, I want to say sorry for the audio. My headphone mic, I think, died. So I had to hook up my little spare mic. I hope it doesn't sound too bad. Um, I'll see what I'll have to do about getting a new mic in the future and uh, fixing the one I have now. 
and uh, we'll go from there. But uh, hopefully this show's audio, especially from my point of view, isn't too bad because I had to switch about halfway through the show to my backup mic. Um, but yeah, I want to thank everyone for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Tales of Tamriel. Have a good evening, everybody.